Hello and welcome. I'm Susan Dunlop and this is Coffee in Contemplation with Susan. Today we are having episode 24 and I have a guest who uh, put her hand up after a recent listening to one of our fellow guests, um, which is a rare thing and I'm very appreciative that she actually said I would like to share a story with you today. Um, today's guest is talking on, on a theme, um, quite a, an important theme, and I'm very grateful that she's offered to come on as a guest to share um, some in- insights into um, something that she's actually got a ma- massive passion um, in terms of what she works with but also has experienced herself. So today we're going to cover um, the topic of Parkinson's disease. And if you don't know what that is, it's a disorder of the central nervous system, which includes the brain and spinal cord and controls everything you do, including moving. It affects all systems, your motoric, non-motoric and neurological. A person with Parkinson's disease gradually loses the ability to totally control their body movements. It's also the second largest neurological disease suffered in Australia. And there's, I read there was 200,000 people currently living with Parkinson's. And our guest told me earlier, as we had our chats this week, that in 15 years it's predicted to be double that number and the cost to individual health department services across Australia will be exorbitant and prohibitive as the nature of the disease it means that hospitalisation will um, mean an upset to medication maintenance and results in those living with Parkinson's having a much longer hospital stay with much more expensive specialist medical intervention. So I'm going to let uh, the guest share a lot more than I'm going to share today. And our guest is Nikki Kreber. Uh, Nikki in 2019 was awarded as a community hero and she works as a Parkinson's advocate and coach. And without much more said, I would like to welcome you today, Nikki. Oh, thank you, Susan. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, I really appreciate that we can um, get this time. And we have had quite a good chat through the week, so I think people will definitely get um, quite a bit from what you've got to share today. Um, What I was thinking, where do we start as usual? And I was thinking uh, when I was looking into it since we had a chat, you know, when most people think of Parkinson's disease, they think of elderly people or at least adults. And I read that Parkinson's symptoms can actually appear in children as young as six. Is that right? That is correct. And early onset Parkinson's, as it's called across the world and in particular in Australia, is on the rise um, astronomically at the moment. And early onset is usually considered from 16 through to 45, but we have young children being diagnosed often as a secondary um, disease that they have, like it might be partnered with cystic fibrosis or something like that. And um, as there is no cure and there's no definitive test and we know so little about Parkinson's, nobody quite can say why. However, there are people around that have worked with um, environmental toxins for many years that say the residual amount in our water supplies and so forth is quite scary and definitely has a link. Oh, wow, that's interesting. Mm. Um, What are the signs and symptoms of Parkinson's that someone might observe in themselves or in someone who they might know or love? Well, that's a really interesting question because most people uh, that once they are diagnosed with Parkinson's sort of have to admit to themselves that they've been worried for five years or so and they've had this funny Mm. group of little symptoms that 
nobody put together. So often it can start with a frozen shoulder and um, often women will talk about a frozen shoulder, but men too, and, and you get pushed through the surgery pathway. Usually doesn't fix the problem because it is uh, broken neural pathways related rather than any damage to the shoulder as such. Um, partners noticing that their partner doesn't swing their arm anymore when they're walking or their face becoming quite mask-like, so smiling is limited and they don't show a vast array of um, expression, expressions anymore, might lose their sense of smell. And people will often say, oh, I haven't had a sense of smell for 10 years. And, and that's a really big one, sense of smell. Uh, and balance problems, just funny little getting out of the car, falling forward, um, Mine were particularly bad going through doorways. I'd managed to collect both sides of the doorways and have bruises down my arms all the time. Well, we, and that's what, um, a part of this is that you have lived with Parkinson's um, disease yourself for 15 years. Yes. So can you tell me maybe a bit about the beginning of that journey for you? Um, yeah, the beginning was quite shocking. I just had a group of funny things adding up. I'd had the frozen shoulder. Um, I'd had that um, successfully managed by a bone therapist, but um, I still had a fair bit of shoulder pain. I was bumping myself. I was covered in bruises all the time. I was getting a bit of brain fog. At the time, I was an acting principal of a large primary school. Um, a lot of mobility was required because our campus was very large and diverse and being a primary school, we had three-storey buildings, but it was all staircases, nothing else. And um, I was finding... The physical demands very great, but I wasn't putting anything together particularly. Um, but I ended up spilling uh, hot water all down my legs and ended up at the doctor. And she'd known me for many years and she said, you really don't look well. You're not moving very well. And I said, well, you know, this, that, the other. Of course, it was a highly stressed position because we had the first cohort of um, refugee children from Somalia and South Sudan in our school. And oh, wow. um, stress is a major paramount trigger for Parkinson's. But I didn't know this at the time and it took a, mm, 12 months probably of funny little things before we started, before my doctor said, look, I really want you to see a neurologist. And um, the thing about seeing a neurologist, they know what they're looking for. And I was in his office for 10 minutes and he said to me, you've got Parkinson's. Well, the earth dropped away from me. I went into a spin um, and I remember nothing until about half an hour later sitting in the car outside talking to my husband or him talking to me and I, I just I just lost my life in that half an hour. Everything just went, mm. went before me. It was truly um, shocking. And I was 48, well, I was 47 at the time, so... Okay. Left field. Yes, yes. Mm. Oh, and wow. So that is often the case for people when they're diagnosed. They, they, they get very little compassion or sympathy in the actual telling them that you've got Parkinson's and you walk out with medication and that's it, come back with, in three months. Much less. It's very hard to cope with. Yeah, and I don't think the, there's a, a very big community awareness about no. Parkinson's. Like, you know, until I spoke to you, 
I would have, if you asked me to explain to you what it was, I couldn't have explained it to you. I just know that mum's friends have got it and, you know. But and you've you got to have a shake. You've got to have a shake. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you sort of brush it off as like, oh, okay, I don't really understand. Um, I'll just leave you with that. So can Parkinson's disease kill someone? No, definitely not. No. Uh, but no. it's an interesting question what you just raised. My husband and I since two thousand, the end of 2017 have been asking everyone we come across, do you know anyone with Parkinson's? 86% of people say yes. Oh. That's a huge percentage in the community. Parkinson's will not kill you. It is the living with a chronic, acute, debilitating, degenerative, uh, progressive illness that is the difficult part. Living with it is much, much more difficult. And interestingly enough, it's not tracked at all because no death certificate ever says Parkinson's disease because you will have a comorbidity, you will have aspirational pneumonia or um, high blood pressure or other things that partner with Parkinson's that kill you in the end. And it could be otherwise, you know, like as happens a lot, a fall possibly that or, would then uh, go in the hospital and that and becomes that the, the hip, the hip lot, you know, breaking a hip and then a long hospitalisation. And so Parkinson's doesn't ever get written on the death certificate. We're, we're trying no. to change that. And often um, people end up with dementia. There's a direct pathway from Parkinson's to a certain type of dementia. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. Um, and you talked with me the other day, you were saying that, you know, one day you had an epiphany or a turning point that came to you. What did the epiphany consist of in relation to your own um, experience? Well, I, I um, it probably took me 12 months to fully understand and swallow the news that I had Parkinson's disease and then I went through a situation. I'd been 30 years in the education department at that point trying to get myself on into a school with a flat environment because I was told I'd be in a wheelchair within 12 months. My mobility was going so quickly. And um, that didn't come off and I had to take uh, early medical retirement in the end. So I was 48. I was marooned from my collegial group, my professional group, and you've been in a profession for 30 years. That's where your friendship group emanates from, basically. And um, somebody said, oh, I'll take you to a support meeting. Oh, I ran in horror. I was, all I saw was old people on walkers and it was just, that's my future in front of me. And um, it's also very difficult to get people on the right medication with Parkinson's. So I then went through four years of being on different medications, one after the other, trying to find one that would work. I ended up, uh, I had two adult daughters living with me at the time I couldn't cook I couldn't sequence to put a plate of you know a dinner together I couldn't walk up my front stairs I had to give up driving um I was ill most of the time from the various medications uh that four years is just looking back now it's horrific I couldn't walk on a footpath without somebody accompanying me and helping me because most of our footpaths are quite uneven your visual perception is um, affected too and you can't uh, properly assess where you're putting your foot uh, when you're walking. And so it was just an altogether horrific time and I just saw myself losing my abilities, just falling away from me. And I was very lonely and you become isolated because 
you're not good at eating, you drool a bit and it's a very isolating um, illness, so you withdraw. And um, okay. that was my first six years and then a friend called in and I, um, I'm a frustrated architect. That's what I wanted to be. I wanted to be an architect. And my <laughs> dad wouldn't let me at the time, as in those days when dads had, oh. you know, say so. Um, yeah. Uh, and uh, she, it's always been a passion of mine, so I've always done a lot of house renovation. Anyway, she called in and she, she really, to this day, doesn't know why she said it, but she said, oh, you know how you love to renovate and stuff. I have to go overseas to see one of my daughters and I just love somebody to do, uh, put a shed in at my place and get the second bathroom built and paint the house and, and renovate the garden because it's all just in a mess and you know how much I hate all that stuff. And I looked at her and I could see my husband passed her behind her and he's shaking his head like this. I went, yeah, I think that would be a good idea. <laughs> oh, <laughs> well, it was like a sabbatical. Two years later, after crying myself to sleep many, many nights because of the pain, I took myself off all medication with my specialist permission because my body had stopped working. I couldn't get my body to work. I couldn't stand on a small step ladder. I couldn't get in and out of bed easily. I couldn't roll over in bed because my mobility was so affected. So after two years of labouring next to the labourers and building trenches and renovating the garden, I had my body back. Oh, wow. Yeah, and um, from what I've seen on your website, you're definitely not um, short of things to keep you busy all week. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> but that was a huge <laughs> turning point for me because, you know, move it uh, or lose it is so true with Parkinson's and I'd got to the point where I'd, I was losing it fast. Because I yeah, just I hear that a lot. Yep. And yeah. uh, so that was my epiphany and I learnt so much through that. And then I did a whole lot of meditation and mindfulness and exercise is key to Parkinson's, uh, living successfully with Parkinson's. So, yeah, that was the start. So, and, um, I mean, I'll go into how what you've done because you've obviously done a lot of work, obviously, for, to have been awarded as a community hero. But um, now what, just for you personally, what does your average week look like, um, you know, having dealt with what you have dealt with, that you've obviously overcome what you could? But, you know, what is it like living with it, let alone working in it? Because that's um, what you're working. It's, it's, it take, it's everything. It takes over your life. Um, there's mm. no escaping it at any time. It comes with brain fog, it comes with insomnia, it comes with gut upset, it comes with on my particular Parkinson's. I have multiple um, system atrophy Parkinson's, which is a particular variant. There's 15 variants of Parkinson's. And um, so it could be in one of my body systems, like my throat for a while, so I will cough after eating a meal is very difficult. I'll cough, I'll sneeze, I'll have coughing fits, I'll lose my voice all of that sort of thing and it doesn't matter what system it's in it's in there for a couple of days or a couple of weeks or maybe even three months so if it's in your digestive system that's very difficult for a couple of months so it's it, it is living with it so you have to figure out mm -hmm. whether you're going to be a victim to it or whether you're consciously going to be in control yeah and okay. that's the choice you make yeah. and um so i am in control of my parkinson's disease uh, and my journey with parkinson's and i do that by an hour and a half an hour and a half of exercise every day 
okay. meditation every day, mindfulness, um, eating. I'm particularly alert to my diet. Um, yeah, avoid anything that causes me allergic reactions or discomfort or anything like that. Insomnia escapes me at the moment. That's my biggest difficulty. I haven't fixed that one with my Parkinson's yet, so I survive on two or three hours of sleep a night. Wow, and is that um something? Have you has that always been the case since you got um, diagnosed or before it's, that? Uh, it, it, Parkinson's is cyclic, so you go through rolling times of different symptoms, and this is quite a high level symptom for me, and yeah. one that I will beat. And I've learned how to live with that effectively, but I will mm. um, eventually bring back sleep into my life, I think. <laughs> yeah, it'd be nice to win back some sleep, I think, that yeah. obviously for the amount of work you're trying to achieve, I imagine you do need some um, sleep. What I was thinking, um, you know, in terms of it being you, you're something to do, what was that you you are the Noosa? Um the coordinator of the Tawantan Noosa Parkinson support group. There are support groups all over Queensland and, okay. and the Parkinson's Queensland. And it's very important for us to maintain connection um, yeah. and mix with like-minded people. But uh, part of my award for Community Hero was that uh, we've established around that group what we call wraparound teams. So we have um, teams of allied health professionals that provide beneficial activities for us and our mixture is um, boxing for Parkinson's it's specific non-contact boxing exercise for Parkinson's uh, choir and voice work um, we have a physiotherapy based program uh, linked with PD warrior called move it we have dance programs um, and we have art programs At, but being part of the wraparound team means that those people provide those activities to us at a very reasonable cost. It can be very expensive disease, this one, because you yeah. have to be active, you have to be engaged physically every day. So it can cost anywhere from thirty to ninety thousand a year out of pocket. Gosh, and actually I, I can picture that I know at least one person um, that we were involved with the care of or trying to find a home care team. Um, I could do some consulting and I would not say she had anything like that in place so I'd definitely give her a call and um, see whether she can make contact with you because that yes. sounds like something she could really do with versus sitting you know yes you know, yes what's life about we have um, 80 old, uh, over 80 year olds that um, now box several times a week at, because oh. it's made such a difference to their physical abilities so they see the need then to keep on with it and um, okay. You know, that loss of mobility and loss of balance and loss of strength and agility is really disarming and uh, makes life. Um, and th thinking in terms of like that shock that you had when you were in your 40s and the idea of going to a group or a support group, what's it like now for people um, if they're sitting there going, oh, you know, same feeling, do they, you know, what's it going to be like? We still have plenty of whiteheads. In our group, okay. but we're a very active, welcoming, friendly group. So it's we don't come together to whinge about life. We come together to live life and enjoy life. And that's our mission is to help people get the most out of their life they can. So we really encourage people to see that exercise is key. If they're, okay. if they're not going to exercise, you know, they're going to go downhill fast. And, um, yeah, everyone's 
most people do their own research about Parkinson's these days and there's a lot more research available and way yeah, okay. to learn about it. So on the whole, we have a very um, positive, growing, fun support group. <laughs> okay. I'll like to put your um, email address on the podcast um, info sheet so if people actually want to come and find you because you've got a little bit different email address to the usual .com. Um, so I'll, I'll put that there. Um, oh, so I know you're doing. We have just plain to want noosa pd group at gmail.com. They can always. As well. There. Okay. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, so it was, apart from that group, do you personally have a support team for all that magical work that you're doing <laughs> that I can see on your website or are you flying solo? Like how are you I, doing this on only a few hours sleep? Well, I um, mind you, I'll just do an aside there. I choose to sleep only a few hours because I sleep deeply and go through the normal sleep cycle in that couple of hours when I went to bed normal time I'd be awake awake off and on through the night getting up suffering with um, rigidity and muscle cramping and restless legs I don't do that now because I only sleep for three hours I go through Uh, the sleep yes yes that's right that's (laughs) right um so um yes I started out solo um Back in 2017, um, when we went to get our first uh, Parkinson's support nurse for the region, um, around Australia, most of the other states, in fact, it, nearly all of them, have a thing called um, specialist nurse consultants, practitioner nurses in Parkinson's support. In Queensland, we don't have that. And it makes a huge difference because in other states you walk out of a neurologist's office having been diagnosed and within an hour you get a phone call from one of these nurses saying, I re- you know, this has just happened, I believe. I'd like to make an appointment, come out to your home. Let's talk about what's ahead of you. They'll do an assessment of the home, see what needs to be changed, you know, stairs, that sort yeah. of thing. It's just an absolute wonderful service. They're also highly trained nurses clinically so they can diagnose medication and tests that are prescribed and they work in the community so with hospitals and neurologists you wait six to 12 months to see them it's very useful when you've got a chronic acute disease but these nurses are in community so we set out to get one and we were successful in 2019 in the sunshine coast health and hospital and health service um, region we got one she was seconded to a hospital un Unfortunately, we didn't win the community um, aspect. Okay. So that was my husband and I and concerted people power. We ran online surveys and all of that sort of thing. But now, this year, we are after three nurses to meet our needs. And um, so we now have an incorporated association, a registered entity, um, to have credibility for continuing our campaign to gain effective nurse um, um, support on the ground in in community clinical care for people living with Parkinson's. And we hope to put together a pilot um, study of of how they operate that can be useful to other regional and rural areas around Australia. So that's what we're doing. And that's Parkinson's Disease Community Advocacy Sunshine Coast, we're called. Okay, oh, fabulous. So to, to raise the funds, that, that I mean, I know from my old life as being a nursing agency, a nurse doesn't cost nothing. No. Um, you'd and be talking, what? 150000 a year. 
yeah, as a yeah. base, as a starting salary, and then you need the car and the computer and the. But these are highly qualified uh, nurse practitioners who would work in the community and can um, work hand in hand with the neurologists in the area and the hospitals, but can prescribe medication, can look at a Parkinson's person and help them out, and. We, they are leading the Australian research in Parkinson's in other states around Australia. It's quite amazing what's happening and we're missing out in Queensland. So our goal is a mixture. We're lobbying government at the moment very hard and, and we intend to maintain the pressure on that. But we're also looking for um, philanthropic, philanthropic um, donors and corporate sponsorship and a mixture of all of those things. And we also need a dedicated community centre and respite centre for Parkinson's people and that'll be a base for these nurses as well. Okay. So, big yeah. dream. <laughs> it is a big dream but the thing is all oh, I'm picturing when you're saying that though like to be able to have someone in the community surely that is so much less disruptive to a person's life just knowing that you can have that support versus having to go to what do you have to do at the moment go to the specialist only or you go to a neurologist only and you'll have six monthly yeah. or, or 12 monthly um, uh, appointments for that. You can't see them at the drop of a hat. There's no way. So you front at an emergency department where you will sit for hours and you may miss your medication time and medication is very due when it's due with Parkinson's or a whole okay. series of symptoms start locking in. And once you're inside, they will then try and manage your medication and keep you in for longer um, and you would present with a range of things, high blood pressure, uh, having had a fall, um, is a whole plethora of things that you might take yourself to hospital for. Um, yeah. a cramping, rigidness, um, slowness of movement, um, blurry eyesight, brain fog, there's a whole heap of things. But thanks to some Parkinson's um, clinical specialist nurses in New South Wales, now every emergency department in New South Wales has it locked covered with medication for Parkinson's people if they're in the waiting room so oh, wow so oh. you know if you haven't brought your own because you've been swept away because it looks like you're having a stroke but you're not you're having a Parkinson's mm. attack um and and other things have been put in place so that's that's in other states through Parkinson's nurses so it is so fundamentally needed I get phone mm. calls all the time from people that are having extremely vivid hallucinations or dreams and, you know, um, getting up in the night and wandering or thinking they're soldiers and all sorts of things. I'm getting these phone calls. I can't, you know, help people. No. And, no. and we need this on the ground because it means then people don't think that they're losing it and going crazy. So... Not to have these nurses is now in a very important, urgent situation. So we're trying mm. to... So magic wand-wise, when would you have these ping yeah. nurses turn tomorrow, up Tomorrow, please, tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> um, we have over what we... We know for certain we have 2,200 people on the Sunshine Coast with Parkinson's disease. That's a large number. We also have very good reason to believe that it's up to 4,000 when we count young onset people that are still in the workforce. That's a significant number that may at any time hit the need for hospitalisation in our area, you know, 
perhaps all at the one time and we're an aging population and that urgent that propensity increases as the population gets older so i would i see this as a, a 15 months to three year enterprise okay so it'll still take a while but yeah fingers crossed you can get it through 15 months would be fantastic it took us one yeah. month to get one last time um not quite the right qualification so these are much more expensive but 15 months would be a minimum i think what a learning curve you've been through to keep yeah. this thing moving forward yes. this many. um so outside of um your your mission what's your favorite thing that you do that makes life feel really good you know outside <laughs> of work Oh, I've always been a patchworker and a quilter. I love to zone oh, have you? doing that. Yeah, but I don't get a lot of time to do that now. So visiting my grandchildren, spending time with my grandchildren is wonderful. Yeah. Uh, it's one of the absolute blessings in my life and I love to walk on the beach um, as often as I can. Um, oh, that's good. And I'm a lifetime learner, so I just love to learn new things. Okay. Like I have a weekly radio program that's been a great learning curve for the last 12 months, 15 months now. So that's great. Yeah. Yeah. And that's with um, isn't it? I saw yeah. some type of cocktail hour or something. You, yes, it's called Shaken and Stirred because sometimes I can be shaking <laughs> <laughs> with Parkinson's <laughs> and I'm there to stir people's mindsets. But yes, yes, with cocktails. I always have a cocktail recipe or a mocktail or a smoothie or a shake. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Well, that's good. Actually, I, I mentioned it to um, my husband that you, you were coming. I said, oh, yeah, I listened to her. I thought, you know, he's always listening to radio. Oh, wow. So, so he knows you already but anyway. I just enjoy the show I hope yeah he does yeah, oh, yeah he loves it he's always just, you know, just I always hear the radio on downstairs or he's got it on in his car wherever he drives around you know the, the Noosa area so yeah you're, you're in there somewhere so anyway <laughs> that's great the thing about radio is you never know you're throwing it out there and you know you never know who's on the receiving end it's lovely oh it's a bit, it's a bit like this this podcast Yes. <laughs> you know, but when I saw that you sent a message, I thought, oh, can people actually send messages? That's interesting. So, <laughs> yes. I nice to know there was someone out there. It was good. Mm. Um, now, just as we're winding up, because we actually are pretty close to the end of our time. Oh, um, nice. Well, how are you, um, in terms of the favourite quote, I usually ask a favourite quote and a favourite song, what would be your favourite quote and why? Oh, I'll share my quote with you, but did you get a chance to listen to the um, thank you coronavirus? No, I didn't. I just read that before, so I should oh. check that out. Yeah, it's amazing. This lady is an amazing artist and, uh, yeah, it's... Um, is it a song or is it a, a poem? It's a poem. I, I can probably find it really fast on my poem. But the one I love for me is the masters in the art of living make very little distinction between his work and his play, his labour and his leisure, his mind and his body, or her mind and her body, her information and her recreation, her love and her religion. I hardly know which is which. I simply pursue my vision of excellence at whatever I do, leaving others to decide whether I'm working or playing. To me, I'm always doing both. <laughs> and oh, that's a James Michener quote. <laughs> Wow, that sounds like you. Okay. Yeah, yeah it is because I, I don't differentiate. Whatever I do gives me pleasure and feeds my yeah. passion. But I highly recommend, I'll have a quick look if we've got a moment to see if I yeah, can. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, while you're having a look through, just tell me what your favourite song is. Do you have a favourite oh, song? Oh, yes. I'm old. 
something as <laughs> she moves. I love it. Um, you know, originally been written by the Beatles um, and sung by James Taylor. I just love it. Something, something in the way she moves. It is a beautiful yeah. song. I agree. I love that one. Mm-hmm. What were you saying? So it was, um, is it Rhea, Raya? Raya Sicole, and I've just found it, if I can okay. make my phone work. Really. She's done a whole series, four of them, but this one is the first one that she did, and it went viral in 48 hours around the world. Okay. Thank you for shaking us and showing us we are dependent on something much bigger than we think. Thank you for making us appreciate the luxury we lived in. Abundance of products, freedom, health, and realizing we were taking it for granted. Thank you for stopping us to make us see how lost we were in the busyness, not having time for the most basic things. Thank you for allowing us to put aside all our problems we thought were so important and showing us what is actually important. Thank you for stopping the transport. The earth was begging us to look at the pollution for a very long time. We didn't listen. Thank you for all the fear. It has been a global disease for years but not many of us wanted to face it. And now we have to face it and learn how to embrace it with love and with the support of our community. Thank you for this re-evaluation of our lives. Thank you as we finally understand what it means that we are all connected. Thank you for the unity between all of us. We knew the world has to change. Thank you for helping us to undermine everything and giving us a chance to build the world from the very beginning. This virus is part of us. It's between us, in us. It connected us all, either physically or energetically. Gratitude supports the immune system, but also lets us see things from many perspectives. And it's up to us which perspective we will choose, but best is to be aware of all of them. And then there's some, it's a video as well that went okay. viral so then there's some flashing messages come up but the first time I heard it took my breath away and then she's brought out three more that are about gratitude and trusting and seeing our way through the virus by holding community together. Mm, and I was thinking that as she said that about the community I think you're you're creating that connection um, such a vital well you know absolutely necessary thing for all these people that you know, aren't sure what to do or are lost or, you know, just, you know, that disconnect that you felt when you were young. What an amazing thing that you're doing. So, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. It um, brings a lot of joy. Oh, good. That's so good. Um, Well, I think you have covered pretty much everything that you and I wanted to really just chat about and, you know, strange timing, you know, as they say, like sometimes when a, a show comes along, it's just the right time for someone to be hearing this so I really hope that someone out there 
has maybe been wondering or watching and, you know, not quite sure if someone they know or love is experiencing these symptoms and if they, if, you know, if you're a point that you know, they can turn positive towards, you know, looking towards, um, you know, a, a brighter future, that's, yeah, there's a point of this thing today is like sharing stories for that reason, you know. Yes, and the sooner they can mm, take their heart in their hands and find out more, the better off they are. You yeah, can, you can make such a difference if you set out. Okay, well, rather thank, you. Than later. <laughs> thank you so much again, Nikki. I really appreciate you coming on. That was a very easy chat, as these chats seem to always be with lovely ladies like yourself. Oh, thank you for having me. It's been an absolute delight. Yeah. Um, so, listeners, I will put some details on the anchor.fm um, version of the podcast. So I'll, I'll actually add a few things there. So if you need to reach out to um, chat with Nikki or find out more about how you can maybe support um, her cause to to get these nurses very, very soon to the Sunshine Coast, um, I'll have all that there for you. And please don't hesitate to um, any other questions, just reach out and I can pass it on to Nikki for you otherwise. So thank you everyone for listening and over and out for us this week. Thank you.